Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode two of Points and Penalties. My name is Jesse, and with me are my co-hosts, Kevin, Peter, and Josh. Josh, what you drinking tonight? Tonight, gentlemen, I'm drinking Landshark, local Waterloo Brewing, just a five-minute walk from my house. It's a very tasty, summery kind of beer. Even though we're in the middle of winter, I like to feel like, uh, like I'm somewhere tropical. Jesse, back to you. What are you drinking? I'm drinking Bose. It's called Wag the Wolf. It's an IPA. Very uh, hoppy, eh, but it's just 5%, but it's still pretty tasty. Peter, what are you drinking? Thanks, Jesse. I'm drinking Miller High Life tonight. Keeping it nice and cool in my Yeti Colster. Tall boy. Shout out. Kev, what are you drinking? I have myself uh, Murphy's Law apple pie with some uh, soda water. Cheers, boys. Nice. Cheers. Cheers. Kev doubling up on the Murphy's Law. Love it. Episode one and episode it's two. The best thing ever, man. If you've never had it, go out and get it. All right, we're going to throw it back at Jesse here, though. Get it on, bud. All right, boys. So the Super Bowl is next week. The Kansas City Chiefs are favored, as per sports interaction, by three points. What do you guys think about that? I'm going to throw that over to Yosh. First off, that's as of January 31st. Uh, obviously, we're a little early here on our, our predictions, but um, I think that's a – that's a pretty pretty safe uh pretty safe bet for for both the the better or and you know the, the the guy taking the line itself uh three points either way that this super bowl can literally go anyway if, if you see casey come out and do what they did to the bills uh you know then they're gonna probably win but there's also another aspect to tom brady and the super bowl tom always comes up big unless it's against the new york giants when it comes to super bowls so <laughs> i i am expecting him to to come out and and play very well and probably i'm gonna say he's gonna come within the three points i'm gonna come out straight with a prediction right away i think tom's gonna cover whether he wins or not i don't know but it's gonna be a tight game we'll make a pick if they're gonna, are they gonna win well, he's gonna cover win? the three points so we're just doing we're just doing points. You're not going to pick a winner. I'm going to pick that he's going to cover the three points. I think it's going to be that right. close of a game. All right. You're not going to pick anybody. Come on. Gutless. All right. Let's throw it over to Peter. All right. So the way I look at this, I think on paper the Chiefs are the better football team. I think they're coming in. They're played a great year. They're firing on all cylinders. It looks like. I think they're in great shape to win this game. But they're going against Brady, the GOAT. He's playing in front of a home crowd, which is a huge factor, I think, which no one has ever had in a Super Bowl before. And it's maybe his last Super Bowl. It may not be. We don't know. We can get into that in a minute. I think it's going to be a huge factor. It's going to be probably a close game. I think the Chiefs are going to come out on top, but I think it's going to be, if they don't, I think that home crowd is going to have a lot to do with it. So what are you saying? Cover or not? Or, or it's the going to cover? Uh, I'm going to say they don't cover. Chiefs win. Kevin, what you got? Well, we all know my thoughts about Brady. You know how I think about this guy. Yeah, but the listeners don't. Ah, oh, this guy. Fuck Brady. Fuck this guy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now they do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's just, I, this guy is just unbelievable. But you also have that kid Mahomes. Look what this guy does, man. The guy's so creative. The guy's so unique. It's just unbelievable what this guy can do with the ball, his vision on the on the field. It's 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 honestly a hard pick for me to sit there and just go through. I mean, you got KC as being the champs. I mean, they're going in, winning this once already. So who knows? It may be another dynasty going on here with the KC. 
But as Peter said, that fucking goat. It's just hard for me to sit there and say this, Bill boys, but I think Brady's going to pull it off. He's going to be the again breaking records with having being there. Do you think if Brady wins, does he play another football game? I think so. Yeah, he's still signed for next year. Yeah. See, I, I don't think he does. I think he's going to be. I think he's going to be back no matter yeah. what. If he wins, loses, but, he's going to be back no matter what. The guy looks. He can still throw the ball deep. He sucked a bit during the season throwing it deep, but. Damn, does he look good now. He's used to the receivers and everything, and I think next year he'll be even better. I, I just think that because he is playing again with, with on home soil, being the first to do so, he's just going to put another notch in his belt that he already has. I mean, I, I see him winning it, and I see him beating the spread. It sucks for me to say. It, you know, honestly, it's like a punch to the fucking guts. But, yeah, Bastard's going to do it. Why, why do you hate Brady so much? Because it's – because of my fucking Falcons, okay? <laughs> there, if that, that's, that's the whole purpose. I mean, dude, you remember me running around like a madman? Like, <laughs> I sure do. Yeah, yeah. I remember and you also remember me remember. in the basically corner of your fucking fridge and your stairs. Well, I guess, I guess that's a warranted, uh, warranted reason for, uh, for hating him so much. Hey, Kev, like, uh, my team lost twice to the Super Bowl. To him. Yep. I, I think he's just amazing. I did not like him when he yeah. was with Belichick. That's I just don't like Boston teams and Belichick cheats. Uh, so my prediction of this is I honestly see uh, this as a revenge game for Mahomes and Andy Reid. 2018, overtime, Mahomes didn't even get to touch the ball. And I really think if he had a chance, he could have made, he would have came back and scored. And I think that both of them are going to have revenge games, and they've looked phenomenal. They have looked dominant, not even like the regular season where they were just winning games. They felt like they, they've held in a lot of plays for the, for the playoffs. I've never seen an NFL team do this at all, which is crazy that you can do this because games are so important, and I think there's trap games in the NFL, but they just do, they just do enough to win in the regular season and everything like that. And this postseason, they just dominated. I think they're going to beat Brady and cover the spread. Well, I guess if I have to choose. You do. Like I said, it is going to be very close. I, I have a feeling it's going to be like a, for some, I don't know how it's going to end up being a one or a two point game, but I just have a feeling it's going to be, but I'm going to come out with Tom. I, I just, I just think he's, he's just too good in the Super Bowl. There's, he just has this, this an extra, extra notch, you know? From from amazing to legendary, every time he set sets foot on a Super Bowl field. So, so I guess to to recap predictions, Kev, you've got Tampa to win. Jesse, you got KC to cover, uh, cover and win. And win, yeah. I, I'm going to take Tampa to win. And and Peter, what was yours again? I got KC to win. KC to win and cover, or they you think they might just win by the one or two and cover. Yeah. All right, we're going to move on to some breaking news that happened. Last night, my team, the LA Rams, traded Jared Goff to Detroit, who I chirped last week for being a shitty, a shitty organization. They also stole the Rams' head of scouting there and one of their other personnel guys, too, for the GM. Karma's a bitch, Jesse. Uh, so, yeah, so it was Jared Goff, two firsts and a third for Stafford. So this is, this is what I understand is that there's going to still be $22.8 million dead money still for the Rams. But 
over the last two years, the Rams have had $32 million between Cooks and Gurley in dead money. And then follow, and then going to be in 2021, it's going to be, we're still paying for Gurley and, and golf, which will be up to 30, almost $31 million. So you, you don't like that? No, no, I'm just, I'm just giving you all the facts here. And I also want to say what they gave up for Jared Golf in everything. So when they picked him overall, because they traded up to get him in the first overall in 2016. Who did they trade with? Your boy, or your guys, uh, Tennessee Titans. And you know what they traded for there, Peter? Uh, I just remember a hollow picks. Yeah, it was two first-round picks, two seconds, and two thirds. So we got Stafford for two firsts and a third. So I think we got, we got a better deal. So in all total, with sending golf off to Detroit, golf has costed us four first-round picks, two seconds, and three third-round picks, plus $22.8 in uh, dead money. Did um, golf probably go over to Detroit because he knows that uh, this coach is expecting him to bite some kneecaps when he gets <laughs> fucking sacked? <laughs> Is, is Goff willing to do this? I mean, he's got to if he's going to be on that team, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he's such a chill guy. Like, he's still laid back and everything and quiet. So I don't know if anything can get that guy all riled up. But anyway, so I think it was a good trade. Because uh, what McVay has shown since he's been – he hasn't had a first-round pick in his tenure with the Rams. McVay? McVay has not had a first-round pick. All he's done, he's gone to the Super Bowl, made Jared Goff a two-time pro-, pro bowler, and got to the playoffs three out of the four years. And last year, if we had the new playoff rules, they would have made it last year. And he's had all winning seasons. And this guy, all he wants to do is get a Lombardi as well. I'm looking like. And uh, at the beginning of the season, a lot of media heads were saying that the Rams were going to be in the bottom of the NFC West. Now, I don't think that really would have changed because they lost to San Fran twice. The San Fran had a bunch of injuries. I think San Fran's going to be better next year with all their injuries back. But I still think this is a good trade because we get Stafford. Now, I don't think Stafford's as good as everyone says, but I think McVay can make him look pretty good. How much better do we think Stafford is than Goff right now? Like, like how do you uh, like? What do you mean? How much better? Like, is he a significantly better quarterback? Is he slightly better? Is he uh, a whole another league better? I would say a little above slightly better. He doesn't turn the ball over as much, but he hasn't really had anyone around. Like, he's had a few people around him, more or less, but I don't think he's had very good coaches. Okay, around. but so we think he's significantly better than Goff. Yeah. And is it going to stay that way their whole career, do we think? Does Goff still have lots of room to grow, or is he sort of plateauing? I don't think he's going to get much better than what he is, nor do I see Stafford getting much better than he is right now. Stafford's a established veteran, right? So I'm not sure. It, I think it was a good trade, but I think it was a good trade for both teams. I'm thinking that Detroit is looking at not necessarily Goff being their savior. It's that these two first-round picks could be. Goff to me for Detroit is a is a guy that's going to get them through, you know, give them a couple serviceable years until they can kind of get a, a better team and a better farm system type thing around them. So, like I said, I think Goff is going to be more of a. I mean, we already know he's pretty much just a game manager, but I think he might be a season manager or or two season manager to kind of just get them through. On the Rams side, Matt Stafford, he's pretty damn good. Like he's he's not a superstar. He's not Aaron Rodgers. He's top ten. He's top ten. So he's pretty he's pretty damn good. And now they have a real throwing threat down the field. I think golf has some very good accuracy, but the problem is he's so inconsistent with that accuracy. 
And his deep ball has been like eliminated for the last two years. Like it's just so bad compared to when 2017, 2018, he had a really great deep ball. But I also think it was like something to do with uh, brand new offense with McVay. You, you definitely need to stretch that field, right? Because that's gonna it's gonna open up things in the run game and and the passes underneath. So and, yeah. and then and they had a healthy girly too. Exactly. So uh, I think there's some maybe some more work to do for the Rams, and obviously it's gonna be it's gonna be a little different seeing Stafford there as you're so used to him being a lion. And but I, I, like I said, I think it's gonna be a, a pretty good trade for both teams. And I think Golf in in Detroit is just a a stay over guy. He's just a a secondary plan kind of thing. Okay, I just want to say a couple more things about golf too, both good and bad. So uh, since 2017, he is second in the NFL in wins, the only behind Brady. How many of those wins came from the defense? How can you say that though? Like, like it's still winning. Winning's winning. That's what that's what the quarterback like. The defense doesn't get charged for winning, right? Well, if they're getting interceptions, you can go and pick six. Yeah, but the QBs and the and the quarterbacks are the only ones that get record. But if you're getting a win by because you went and scored one field goal and you won three nothing because your defense like that's a defensive win. That's you, your offense didn't win that game. A win's a win, but absolutely, I agree. It, it, it counts as your thing, and that's the thing is is like um, the other thing I was going to say since 2018, he's the most turnover. I thought uh, Jameis would have had that one. He's second. That's no good. And but the, and the reason too is because he didn't play last year. He, he played in like a couple games and didn't start any of them. But that's just my thinking. In my personal opinion, I think Detroit won this trade. I think if Goff is what he is and he's never going to get any better, then the trade is about even. But there's the potential there that he could turn it around and turn into a proper above average starting quarterback. And if he does, I think it's a clear win for Detroit. All right. So about that thinking that he might go better somewhere from McVay. You could say the same thing what happened with uh, Ryan Tannehill from Gase, who was an offensive guy, supposedly this quarterback whisperer, and then went to the Titans as a backup behind Mariota, and as soon as he put in, he started doing pretty freaking good. Mm -hmm. So Peter might have a point there, but you have to remember, Dan Campbell is that coach there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And really, I mean, with the two first round picks too, if those turn out to be, you know, players that are half decent, then maybe, maybe the scale does lean towards Detroit if golf can get his shit together too. But like I said, I think Stafford's going to be Stafford and it's really going to help. Uh, it's really going to help the Rams uh, have as a solid, a solid, in my opinion, better quarterback than, than golf there. And like I said, you can stretch the field now. You can legitimately stretch that field. But we don't have any fast receivers. Ah, Robert Woods and uh, and well, I guess Cooper Cup is more the inside guy, but Woods can get downfield. Like he's he's not Tyreek Hill. He's not what's the Tampa guy's name Miller, you know. But anyway, so I think like these first round picks, they're not they're not even this draft, right? They're they're next year and the year after that. Yeah, they're they're twenty twenty two and twenty three. Right, and I think we're assuming that the Rams are going to be pretty good for those two seasons. Mm-hmm. So they should, in theory, be late round draft picks, late first round draft picks. Okay, so I'm just saying, like, Stafford is going to be here for 2021 and 2022, and now he's a free agent. And and golf, golf is going to be there for 2024, but he's guaranteed a lot of money. He's like guaranteed another 45 million through Detroit for two seasons. I, I don't see a scenario where if Stafford is doing well and winning playoff games in LA, that he wouldn't resign there. For sure. 
if that's happening, I think the draft picks are going to be fairly low. But I mean, they're still first round draft picks. They're still going to be valuable. Uh, I guess we'll have to wait and see. But I think I think it's going to look like Detroit came out on top in the long run. But it's probably still a good trade for the Rams. Get to that next step. I really think it does uh, balance on those two picks because it's like you said, they're going to be lower round. But when was the last time the the Detroit Lions picked a good player in the draft? <laughs> Stafford, like. Megatron, probably. Maybe maybe, maybe Hawkinson. He's been he's Hawkinson been is up. good. Yeah, you know maybe their uh, their behind the scenes stuff isn't isn't necessarily the greatest. So if they botch the picks, or if you know you get a a Kevin White situation where the guy is just injury prone and can never be on the field. Well, he was no good after he left Chicago either. Who's that, Kevin White? He wasn't. He was no good before he got to Chicago. <laughs> or sorry, he was good before he got to Chicago, and then in Chicago yeah. he just got <laughs> went, went downhill. But Perryman was the same way, just injury prone too. But he's still in the NFL and he's still playing for other teams, like the Jets. <laughs> well, this year it was. But well, it's the only thing I looked up upon this trade was. Uh... Stafford and uh, Goff's um, yards, touchdowns, interceptions, and their uh, completion percentages. And it does look like that Stafford basically did come out on top. So basically, L.A. got themselves a better pick in my mind. So you think that L.A. won this trade? Yeah. So me and Kev think they, they that the Ram, L.A. Rams won this trade. Peter thinks Detroit did. And uh, Josh says it's easy. And like I said, until you find out what those picks are going to be, right? But as of right now, I would say even. And I still think it's a good trade for the Rams, even though I think they lost the trade. I think it makes sense to do it. For sure it does. So just want to highlight other stuff. Like I said, the GM, Brad Holmes, went to Detroit, who was the chief of scouting for the Rams. And then he also brought another guy called Ray Agnes as assistant GM as well. And then the Rams tended to lose a bunch more coaches I think it, I think the total now is uh, six because they lost uh, Brandon Staley, who's the head coach of the LA Chargers, and then he tried to steal our OC. We blocked him from that, and then Shane Waldron went to the rivals in Seattle, and he also stole some one of our passing game uh, coordinators. So there's a bunch of the Rams are losing a bunch of coaching staff, but I feel that McVeigh can find coaches very easily because he can see talent. Oh, also, uh, Aubrey Pleasant went to Detroit Lions, too, to be the DB coach. So are, are you concerned from a Rams standpoint or no? No, I'm not, because McVay seems to be able to find coaches, no problem. And, I, and like, they got Raheem Morris in for the D.C., and I think they're going to keep Brandon Staley's, like, defense there, and Raheem Morris is going to learn it. McVay had a lot of input, it's what I heard into this defense so i think that's the reason why they're gonna they're gonna keep it and then we're gonna see raheem morris next year interesting well it's crazy that they that they've lost so many you know many coaches executive type uh type people in the organization it obviously uh shows that the organization is doing something right whether it be from the business side of it or the game standpoint if other people want them and are reaching out to to take them away like i said they're doing something right so that's that's a good thing for uh for the Rams organization on the flip side of that they're losing all these guys so now they have to start over again with new kind of new coaches and whatnot and retrain uh but at this point with a brand new quarterback there's going to be a lot of changes to the to their offense so I mean, obviously there's going to have that the core is probably still going to be the same, but they're going to throw in a lot of stuff that, that Stavra can now do. So why not make a, an inadvertent force change, you know, but Hey, we got it. We got seven guys from our executive and coaching staff. We just changing out our, our quarterback. Maybe this is a good time to just change kind of everything as a, as a, as a whole on the, uh, not necessarily defensively, but just on the offense. Yeah. And just, you know, keep on keeping on. Like, 
I think you're right. I think they're going to change a bunch of stuff. Uh, the offense, I saw it this year from uh, last year because a lot of defensive coaches figured out McVay, 13 personnel, and he went to a lot of 12 this year. And he went to a lot of empty sets, which I was not a fan of. But some of the times, it, sometimes it worked. But I still think he's the main reason he makes everything go there. So we're going to move on to the blockbuster trade for uh, Nolan Arenado to the Cards. Big trade. Yeah, that was a big huge. Trade. So huge. <laughs> they trade a bunch of prospects, pretty low-level prospects, and as we said on the before the show started, was that fifty million dollars back in cash back to Colorado because they are in the bottom half of the MLB salary. Like they don't, they don't have a lot, so that cash back is huge. So the way I saw this going down from the Rockies' perspective, Arenado has an option at the end of. I think this season to go to free agency anyway. So what I, what I interpreted it as is that he was going to probably exercise that option if he didn't get traded away. So from the Colorado Rockies perspective, because they didn't sort of build around him as he wanted to, he was going to go to exercise rate and go to free agency. So they had to do something to get something for him and they didn't get much for him. They got several duffel bags full of cash and some low-level prospects, and that's it for a absolute superstar of a player. Yeah, probably the best third baseman in the game right now. He is. He is. I think he's the best. He's uh, defensively. Yeah, he's, he's the best. A five-time All-Star, four-time Silver Slugger, eight-time Gold Glover. You want this guy on your baseball team? Yeah, he had one bad season last year. Other than that, he's been unbelievable. But he's going away from Coors Park. Last year has a asterisk on it, though. Yeah, true. Along with the whole rest of the world. But is the park in St. Louis larger or much larger than in Colorado? I think it's more of a pitching park, to tell you the truth. Because he his uh, I think his batting stats away from uh, Coors was not uh, not overly that good. But he's like they're still above average, but they're not superstar level, which he is when he's at Coors. He's really, really rich too. <laughs> Originally signed in twenty nineteen for for two hundred sixty million. That's that's insane. Uh, I I just think that you know he is a he is a great player. Are we sure that these that these uh, prospects are low level guys? That's what they said in the system. Like none of them were in the top ten for the Cardinals system. Hmm. Interesting then, because like I said, that's not a whole lot. Um, you'd think you maybe get even a service guy, you know, a serviceable player, utility maybe, yeah, some starter of some sort to at least help them out that way. But he got traded for money, essentially. Yeah. So who's in agreement that the Cardinals got to won this trade? I mean, I think you have to until you see those players, and one of those players has to be a superstar. Yeah. Yeah. Unanimous. So I think it has to be said, though, that in terms of baseball, I think it's clear that the Cards won this trade. No one will ever tell me otherwise. But in real life, you know, it, this is not a good time for pro sports in general. Their revenues are all down, and fifty million cash coming back is is not nothing for us guys. We only care about the actual product on the field. We only care about the baseball. But in the in the real world terms of things, fifty million coming back is huge. See, I'm not a hundred percent sure if if fifty million is is a lot. Like that's just a little more than his salary for one year. So yeah, it's great to have the cash in your pocket now, like you said, Peter, and these. Uh, pandemic times but i guess the colorado gains a lot in their their uh, uh salary cap or it's not really a cap in baseball but 
you know, before they get into the luxury tax now that Arenado's gone, but it sure does seem like a lot of money, but I think in the grand scheme of baseball, I don't think it's that much. What it signals to me is that Colorado, the team is hurting right now. And they decided that it made sense to sort of make this business decision to get rid of their most valuable asset and get cash back for it, more or less, with some prospects. And I think a lot of that has to be attributed to uh, the state of the world, the pandemic and the gate revenue is obviously. That, that was my thought was MLB earns a lot of money from attendance because they have 162 games a year. So like compared to NFL, like it's obviously the commercials and everything like that, but all these games, the, the stadium earns a lot of money from just people attending, even when that, the stadium is empty. Yeah. When you say empty, you don't mean truly empty. You mean like a low attendance game. Sometimes they're empty, but they still bring in a lot of cash because, like, they can sell it a lot. A lot of the bigger or popular teams sell out all the time. So we're moving on to the the Hall of Fame class of 2021 of no class. And uh, the main reason is is the roid era. (laughs) Corking of bats. Corking of bats. uh, Some people are just mean and have different... political attitudes it seems like but anyways uh what what do you guys think of that because the main guys are, are clemens and bond and so so oh why they put those names up there then well they're the, the roid guys but they still own the stats yeah they have they have asterisks there but they still own the stats. that's what i'm saying that's probably why they put them up there for this possible year of uh going into the hall because they're not having one so let's let's put people's names up there that no that- no 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 those names have been on the ballot for 10 years already or sorry nine years this, the next ballot is their 10th and final uh, opportunity to get in the to the hall. If they do not make it, they actually go to an era. They're called era committees. And so then there's a group of people that are, you know, they kind of compare sp- stats and talk about, you know, during that era, you know, should that person still make the hall of fame, even though they weren't like a, a you know, a 10th ballot hall of famer, they could be this era ballot uh, hall of famer later on down the road. Um, but they're still, I believe, like, I think they have to wait like another five years or something now to to get in. So these guys that hold these records, the Bonds, you know, and these guys that are, are, are were crazy in the 90s, they don't get in. They're waiting another five years. I, I believe that's what, what it is. And then, uh, and could not get in at all. And the, the question then, and what do you guys think? Should these guys get in? Like specifically, let's go with Barry Bonds. Like specifically, should Barry Bonds get in the, the Hall of Fame? I say no. I think he should. I, I know there's a gigantic asterisk there, but the guy is still, he's the leader all time in home runs. I know that that is probably significantly influenced from cheating, but I don't think it's like if, if he never took any steroids and the rest of the players in that era never took any steroids, he's got to still be top 10 in home runs. Probably it's hard to speculate, but like the guy is good at baseball. Yeah. The steroids help a lot, but it's hard to keep him out of the hall when he could be your number one in the record book. I, I just by looking at just with Bonds and Sosa, with regards to whatever they've done wrong in the MLB, if you're willing to put any one of those two into that Hall of Fame, Pete Rose, boys, why isn't this guy? I agree completely. Why isn't this guy? If you're going to put these guys into the Hall of Fame, then I would say is Pete Rose, I want in my hall. I mean, you look at the stats on that guy. Okay, so that was my whole point that, that Kevin just kind of stole from me there. <laughs> but, but yeah, like, you guys are going to hold these guys to these statistics, like, that they've had the best, best home runs. Pete Rose fucking dominated, cheated. Roger Clemens dominated, cheated. If you're going to hold them to these statistics and these records, 
and from what Schilling says, everyone cheated back then. He was one of the guys that didn't. But he's not getting in because he calls out people's bullshit and everything like that. And at the same time, he doesn't have the stats, really. Schilling doesn't, but he says he doesn't cheat. And there's no record of him cheating. So can you not have, like, a little bit of both? Cheating and cheating and not cheating? <laughs> no, I'm saying, like, can't you have a little bit of both in, in the record books? Like Peter said, like, maybe you have to speculate, but maybe if the – if he didn't cheat, he would still probably do pretty well. Barry Bonds, same with Roger Clemens, because he had a fucking arm. I I think cheating is about a part of baseball. Like we had in the episode before. Even the older guys from way long ago cheated. So what what difference does it make now that we were able yeah. to figure it out? I mean, realistically, we never really know who cheated and who didn't. We know some that did for sure. You don't ever know for sure that someone else didn't in some way that we don't know about. And how much do you hold that against somebody? Like, it's obviously not good. You don't want cheaters in your game, but it was, it was part of the game during that era. It was been part of the game for almost a hundred years. I think it's, it's hard to, it's hard to keep some of these guys out of the hall. Well, unfortunately for you guys, the guys that actually count on doing the votes have disagreed with you for nine years. They haven't voted these guys in. You need 75% of the vote, and none of them, I believe the maximum was like 62% that, that any of these top-named guys got over the last nine years. So there's obviously a lot of people that think the opposite, that they shouldn't. You know, they're more on Kev's side. Where Asterisk, get out. You shouldn't, you shouldn't be in the hall. And if they are, then again, the, the next argument then is, is, like you said, about Pete Rose. For the record about Schilling, though, he Schilling doesn't want to go in the Hall of Fame. He's he's said that he wants his name taken off the ballot. Now, what his exact reasons are, I'm not 100% sure. Maybe he doesn't want to be grouped in with these, you know, steroid era players or what have you. But, you know, the next thing for the Hall of Fame is that these guys are going to have a hard time getting in, not only because people have issues with them and the steroid use or potential steroid use, but you've also got some pretty big names coming up on their first time on the ballot. And... By looking at these, like you've got Air uh, Aroid, we call him Aroid again, another an, another steroid type guy, uh, <laughs> uh, Alex Rodriguez, and then you've got Big Poppy. Now, for me, Big Poppy is he's in the Hall of Fame first year. He probably gets ninety percent of the vote. So it'll be uh, it, it will be interesting. You've got these these new guys on the ballot, and uh, last uh, time for a few other guys, and it should be interesting come this time next year yeah because i think it i think it is different sort of the first nine years on the ballot and the final year on the ballot i think the writers or whoever votes on this trip i think they try, probably want to make these guys sort of sweat it out but i think in the final opportunity i think some some votes will sway the other direction we'll see you next year moving on more blue jays news not, not quite as big as Springer, but we signed a few, uh, a few more players to add to our bolstering lineup. Well, we're one, a little bit spoiled player. this year, where signing Simeon is just, you know, you know, it's just run the mill, no big deal. 
Now, Yoshi, you said that Biggio is going to go over to third. So that's what that's what I've heard. I kind of heard a lot of things that Biggio would move to third, allowing uh, Semyon to come in and play second. But I have heard that it could be the, the reverse. And if I'm not mistaken, Semyon played a little bit of shortstop too. So he could spell Bo on his off days uh, and such like that. So he's kind of a utility guy. I, I think he's going to they're going to pretty well just use him at one position and maybe the odd time playing somewhere else. But if they need be, if somebody gets hurt, I think he could fill in, uh, you know, in a few different positions, which is great. Right. Like I think he's going to go to third. I know that you read that elsewhere, but I, I think he might just go to third because he has that shortstop ability and he's got the arm. So he might as well put him at third instead of second. Biggio has played well there, but there's still a lot of, errors there in the, in the infield from last year i think if you put a shortstop at third like it's safer than putting a, a guy from second it's nice i think to have if anything they have a lot of flexibility with what they do because they've got a lot of infielders that can maybe they don't maybe what they uh, go into the season with maybe it'll change as they get through it and they see what works what doesn't they got lots of lots of flexibility lots of options i think they're in uh, they're in real good shape yeah, for sure they are. I think this is, like you said, this is kind of a run of a run of the mill signing for us this year, just because the Springer was such a such a splash. But this guy, he was kind of average, and then in in 2019, he really opened it up. Last year had a meh season, and uh, you know the Jays are are kind of banking on him having uh, having a good season, and of course he is too because uh, it's just the one year for I believe 18 million. So obviously he's trying to show uh, the Jays and other clubs this year that that he's worth that money and more, which should bode well for the Jays this year. Cause he's going to play hard, you know, not that these guys don't, they're not uh, Pierre Luc Dubois, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> on that last, last shift in, in Columbus. But yeah, I, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be good. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm looking at the, the lineup here defensively and I mean, what's the weakest position first base defensively. Well, I think, he, I think Guerrero is going to, might be dh and then Telez might be play first i think you're gonna see or they're gonna you'll flop. See him flip-flop but you'll see you're gonna see guerrero play first for three quarters of the games easy but i mean you got so let, I'm, I'm assuming guerrero at first i was saying Semyon at two bijou at three but shed shortstop that's a pretty good infield you got danny jansen behind the plate who's not half bad and the uh prospect uh who i guess is probably a rookie this year now uh Alejandro Kirk is uh, is a is a really good catcher. He's got a lot of power. He's a big boy, so he's supposed to be pretty damn good too. For me, that's a pretty solid infield. Outfield wise, you've got four guys who are pretty solid across the board in uh, Guriel Jr., Teoscar Hernandez, of course George Springer, and Randall Grichik. Uh, for me, Randall Grichik is the out, is the odd man out. I, I think you're going to see Guriel and Hernandez on the corners, and then obviously Springer up the middle. For me, I've got Telez and Grichik kind of splitting DH duties. Uh, Grichik obviously playing a fourth outfielder as we have pretty good flexibility on the outfield now. Springer can play center and right. Uh, Hernandez can play right. He can play all over the place. He can play right, center, and left. So we have good good uh, uh, versatility there. And then you're the, you know the starting rotation. We could still shore that up. We you know Ryu is our number one. Uh, is Nate Pearson our number two? I think so. Maybe. Then you've got. You've got a mix of guys then with Tanner Rourke, Mats, Chatwood, Shoemaker, Tayon Walker, Robbie Ray, Anthony Kay, and Trent Thornton. So you have a big mix for these three to five guys. Or the, if they're the odd man out, then they go to being a long man in the pen. So Shoemaker might have the 
the next, uh, pardon the pun, shoe in as, you know, he was, was pitching great. And then he was out with a, with a big injury and took him out for the rest of the year. So, so you're thinking that it's going to be Ryan, who is the first guy and then Pearson and then Shoemaker. And who do you think? I, I'm thinking Robbie Ray's got to be in there. Like he had a horrible, horrible season last year, but he is a strikeout. Kid. I mean, it's, it's really hard to say right now. It's early. It is really early. They still could make a move. Uh, Trevor Bauer's still out there. We have the funds. Apparently, Rogers has got unlimited so funds. So that luxury year. tax. Yeah. I, I don't think that there's any, other than position number one, I don't think that there's any one spot that is solidified in that starting lineup. Ryu is your number one guy because he's the best guy on your on your roster to pitch. And everybody else is going to fall in. I mean, Nate Pearson could easily become our number one and probably should if the, you know, what everybody thinks is going to happen happens. But the other guys, it's, it's a mixed bag. You don't know what you're going to get out of each one of these guys every year. So to say that that guy's definitively your third starter is, is a stretch, especially at this point. I I just think Robbie Ray is going to be there. Tell you the truth. And I think Chatwood and uh, Matt's, Matt's is terrible. Aren't half these guys on your fantasy team, Jess? Yeah, man. Like it's brutal. Like, it was a rough year for me last year for these for these guys, kind of thing like that. And that's why I'm I'm like, ugh. And Chatwood, like I looked it up, and they're pretty, like you said, they're pretty sure that they're going to put him in the in the in the pen, yeah, yeah. Like the, he's uh, he didn't do that great last year, but Matts was just god awful. But he out of the pen, he wasn't horrible. But like maybe they run with a a four four man, and then. Pick who's ever the hot hand out of uh, the pen, then. and just do like like because I've seen that a lot lately, where they just do a, like a real reliever for three innings, and then another reliever for three innings, kind of thing like that. Depending on how you well you got to do doing. what works, right? If they're if they can throw a couple innings, they can throw a couple innings. That's perfect. But this uh, this match, like I said, he did not have a good season last year. Nine point six ADR over thirty innings over last last year. That's only nine games. Wasn't great. He allowed 14 home runs in those 30 innings. That is not good enough, especially in a small bar park like Toronto. Yeah, this is an offensive. Team. My feeling in regards to these uh, Blue Jays and who we picked up and such, it kind of reminds me of that uh, basketball owner Steve Ballmer. How excited he was when he got you know the claw and all them. This is cool. That's me, boys. To about these Blue Jays. Yeah. Just want to throw that out there. Thanks for your two cents, Kev. <laughs> I think. I think with. There's, like you guys said, there's obviously still a lot of question marks with the pitching. And I don't think it's out of the question yet to see another trade because there's lots of flexibility and value right now in the position players. I don't think it's out of the question to see a trade for a position player for a pitcher and see what happens. But I, I just think this team is just going to balls to the wall and just fucking hit home runs. What's more exciting than a home run? Yeah, exactly. Like, like pitching, and we're going to see it's going to be tough to watch, I think. We're going to hope for a bunch Hoping of Hoping to win 15-14 every game? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like, like our defense isn't going to be like superstars. Like, our outfield should be yeah. fine. I mean, defense starts at the pitching, obviously. Right. But, like, if the ball's hit and play, you got to make a play on it, right? Which there's going to be lots of There's going to be growing pains with these guys. They are still young, but they're all touted to be pretty damn good players. So I think it's just going to be a matter of time before these guys get their feet underneath them and, and start playing like potential superstars. Who knows what's going to happen with the schedule wise, if there's going to be any delays or what have you, once they do get going, hopefully they can keep into a rhythm and, and like I said, get, get their feet underneath them and play like they're thought to play. And maybe we'll have a good season and beat the damn Yankees. It's a playoff games. Yeah. That'd be nice to see. 
Moving on to NHL, Jim Rutherford resigns for personal reasons. We got uh, Patrick Alvin stepping in. Peter, why don't we go with you since you're the NHL, NHL expert, the resident NHL spokesperson? Um, yeah, no, it was a, a major shocker to the league for Jim Rutherford. It seemed like it was just out of the blue, decided to step down. He's, I think, one of the oldest GMs in the league, or he was. He's 71 years old, I think. So uh, our, the immediate reaction for a lot of the, uh, I guess, Twitter community and fans is that some worry about health concerns, which seems like it's not the case, although we don't know. All we've been told is that it's due to health reasons. Or sorry, not due to health reasons, due to personal reasons. So, yeah, it's a big shocker. He's won three Stanley Cups in his career, two with the Penguins in 16 and 17, and once with the Hurricanes back in 2006. There's speculation that part of his decision to resign is because of a, a trade that either fell through or was shut down by ownership. We don't really know about either one of the big three in Pittsburgh, Crosby, Malkin, or Latang. That's what I heard. The rumor is Latang. I've actually heard Crosby too. I, there's been uh, there's a little bit of talk that he might not finish his career in, in Pittsburgh. Not that he's slowing down at all. So not that that's a talk of him finishing his career anytime soon. But, uh, but yeah, I heard that he might have been looking to move Crosby, uh, obviously for lots of draft capital and some younger guys. But uh, either way, it's it's a crazy, crazy thing to hear about this guy uh, resigning after being so successful, you know, you, a lot of these guys, you, they just stick it out, stick it out, keep winning, keep winning, keep winning. So for him to pack it in and again, for at this point, unknown reasons, like you say, just personal reasons. So what, what exactly is that? And I'm sure we'll find out in the future, but until then. Yeah. And his contract was said to expire at the end of this year. So, you know, something, something is going on that sort of pushed him to push that button earlier than expected. I think he's realizing, he's looking into his crystal ball, seeing the future, realizing that they're coming to the end of their road as as sort of the playoff powerhouse that they are. And he's looking at pushing the rebuild button. And it sounds like either ownership or who knows what happened, but somebody had other plans. And maybe that's what led to the uh, the decision that we saw. So maybe he's just not prepared to to take on another rebuild at, at his 71 maybe. years of age, you know? It sounds to me like it's the other way, that he thought the rebuild was the right way to go, and potentially he's getting some pushback from ownership. I see. But we don't know. It's all speculation at this point. So we wait and see. Yeah. If they send any of Crosby, Melkin, or Latang anywhere, I mean, wow, big pickup. It would likely be a big package going back, though. Like, all of those guys are still great players. Yeah, for sure. So, I heard if Crosby was going to go anywhere, it would only be to Montreal. <laughs> That's what I heard because apparently his dad was uh, was a big Montreal fan. He was brought up a Montreal fan, so apparently that would be the only place. But obviously, that speculation, and he could very well. If, if I was Mario Lemieux and everybody in that Pittsburgh organization, I'd be doing whatever I can to hang on to him for as long as I possibly could. Concurred. I agree to that. It would probably be really fun to see him go to Montreal, but I would, as a Leafs fan, absolutely hate it. Yep, for sure. As a Leafs chirper, I, I would really enjoy that. <laughs> Shut up, yeah, Jesse. I second that. <laughs> Speaking of Leafs, uh, six of the last eight, which is pretty good, and they won, and they got a point last night after uh, losing within a minute in overtime. But it's pretty impressive so far. They uh, they're quite a, a team that just wins by like a point, like a goal. Like they they are. Uh, I don't know how good this team will be because they aren't really dominating anyone. They're just winning, which is a good thing. But it could come back to them in the end where they 
where people start figuring them out and everything like that. So what has been the struggle with the Leafs forever, as long as I can remember, is defense and being able to close out close games. They'll have no problem sort of blowing a team out 6-2, to two, but to be able to win the close game, the one-goal game, and hold on to a one-goal lead to bring in a victory, it's been a struggle for this team over the past several years. And it seems different this year. It seems like they finally turned the corner and are able to win some of these close games that we know that playoff hockey is all about. So I'm excited. So do you think that they're going to continue to blow a bunch of leads? Because they've, they've had a lot in the past. They've had a lot of people come back against them. So that's on a defense again, right? Like, like you said, they're winning a lot of close games, which is good and bad because they don't look dominant. But like once they get when maybe once they start scoring a bunch again, will they will they their defense allow guys to come back? See, I don't think so. I think the defense is looking really good this year. Justin Hall looks like he's taking a huge step forward. He looks dominant. Like he's he's doing better than Dermot. And way yeah. better. And Brody looks like a real solid signing. I would take him over Tyson Berry every day of the week and twice on Sundays. I don't know. It just feels different this year. It feels like the defense is there. They're playing well. Uh, I think this team can still has room to grow and get better. They're tied for first in the league right now in points. I'm I'm hopefully optimistic right now. This team is looking real solid. I think this may finally be the year. Find out. I won't say it. Shut you all up. know what I'm thinking. <laughs> you pretty much did say it. Yeah, yeah. I hope you knocked on some wood there. <laughs> Kev, go ahead. Uh, it's, it is D. It's always been their problem is defense. Uh, you got some good signings, yes. You got some good players in there. But still, Muzzin, take the body or take the puck. I mean, you're trying to stop, you know, McDavid. Granted, the guy's got wheels going 30-some-odd miles an hour going by all three of these defensemen. and oh, Sorry, and uh, Marner. Uh, it's just stick in the air, hands in the air, trying to push a body. You gotta, yeah. you so, Kev is obviously referring to uh, Saturday nights on the January 30th where Connor David on the power play just absolutely walked the entire Leafs team, especially Muzzin, on route to a goal. Which, by the way, shortly after, Marner and Matthews connected on a beautiful passing play to answer that goal. But McDavid did himself. Yeah. Well, he's, I mean, He's not a human being, so it's not fair necessarily <laughs> to compare what he can do to, you know, to Muzzin stopping him or not. Yeah, realistically, I think when you're playing Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, you're not going to stop them. Your best hope is to limit their success. Well, they stopped McDavid uh, the game before. They did a really good job defensively. I think McDavid was just like trying to just decide to take things into his own hands instead of playing the play that the coach wanted compared to last game. And that's why he saw him get two goals and a game winner. Yeah. And some pretty fucking nifty passing by dry settle. That was a beauty pass. Yeah. I mean, sometimes at the end of the day, you just, you just get dummied by McDavid or dry settle. And you know, it is what it is. As long as the defensive breakdowns stop happening, I'm not as concerned about McDavid undressing the team and scoring as I am about uh, the previous game against the flames where you've got Johnny Gaudreau and and someone, I forget who it was, in all alone behind your defense in front of the goalie, and they end up getting the puck. That, to me, is far more concerning than McDavid, just McDavid and you. It's, that's that's going to happen. <laughs> it's, you know, it, and we're going to – I think we played 
Edmonton eight more times this year, uh, you'd be lucky to just have four. Yeah, we're probably going to get McDavid about four more out of it. Pretty exciting watching those those games. Yeah. Makes good hockey. It's good entertainment, but you know, you're not going to stop them every time. Did you guys see those jerseys? How do you like them? They're awful. Oh, I like them. <laughs> They're fucking horror awful. Really? The first period of the game, I was struggling to see even who is who. So you can't make up the numbers. Okay. They're the exact same color as the jersey with the little white line around them. Fair enough. I think they look pretty cool, and I like them. I, and I went out, I went and looked at all the uh, uh, all the teams, and I, for the most part, they look pretty good. All of them. Like there's the odd one that's a little goofy, but like I don't like the Pittsburgh one. Uh, it's just got Pittsburgh on an angle. It should have had like the old school penguin uh, that the triangle penguin yep. should have had that one. Yep. Uh, not like the one with the penguin with the feet though. No. Yeah, if no, you know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. So there's a couple other ones that where I was like, no, those are stupid, but some other ones are really nice. Like the, uh, the actually the Vancouver ones are pretty nice. Uh, you like those. Yeah, they're all right. <laughs> they're all right. They like, I, I think those are the only ones that like fade colors. So it's kind of different, but you know, the Calgary ones with the, with the the flaming horse head and that one's good. I like that one. Just to jump. To, did you see the heat jerseys? The yeah, the what the is pink and ones? I like it. I think those are sick. Phoenix Suns have uh, they have like a black jersey, but it's got like a sunset type thing on it, so it's very colorful as well. Um, and it's it must be like kind of like how the NFL has the color rush. Obviously, the NHL has these reverse retro jerseys. So I think it's the same type of thing there for basketball, but, but yeah, I like them. I like the jerseys. I think they're, for the most part, they're pretty cool looking. Yeah. There's, there's some that hit, there's some to miss. Uh, I don't know if you guys seen this, the Dallas stars one. It's like neon. It's, oh my goodness. It's hard. On, it's hard on the eyes. Uh, I don't like the Leafs. It's, uh, it just doesn't do it for me, but some, some of them are, some of them are decent. Yeah. Some are cool. Yeah. Some are cool. Edmonton even is, you know, that wasn't bad. I do like Edmonton's when I was watching the highlights, I'm like, those are nice looking jerseys. And of course they look better when they're flying across the screen too. Right. So <laughs> shout out to McDavid. <laughs> All right. Should we go on to NBA? Sure. All right. So Wednesday night, Laurie scores his 10,000 point as a Raptor. Greatest Raptor ever. Yes. Yes. I think, I mean, if you look at the competition that he has, it's, it's DeRozan, it's Kawhi, if you want to put him in there. It's Vince, for sure, Air Canada, and I guess Chris Bosh. Stoudemire, come on, you cannot forget Stoudemire, the old Minnie Mouse. It's not going to be Damon Stoudemire, man. I, think, I don't think he's the best player to ever be a Raptor. That's Kawhi. I agree. But obviously Kawhi did it for just the one year, and then he fucked right off. <laughs> <laughs> But he brought us a championship in that year, um, him and the team, including Kyle, which was a big part of that championship team. I think Kyle is the greatest Raptor of all time, and his number will be hanging from the Raptors soon enough. Just because of the longevity he has, the points he scored here, the leadership role he's had in this team, and taking the team to a championship, I think he's the best ever. Yeah, well, I, I still think Vince Carter's still amazing, just because... For me, he didn't really have a whole lot around him. He still got he still got the best points per game. Like he, like I think he's just the stuff he was doing on his own. Like he was, he didn't get a lot of attention up here or, or from the NBA because he was up in Toronto. But man, he was pretty friggin' good. 
Like I know you guys say that you think Kawhi is better, but I don't know. I think uh, I think Vince uh, did it all by himself. Well, Vince had Chris Bosh, right? Yeah. Not obviously not for the whole yeah, tenure. Yeah, but. I, I guess he did, but it wasn't. He he took a lot of injuries too, Vince. He went and then Bosh showed up, so he was still lagging behind a lot of those injuries because before that, like, and when you watch like the MJ stuff and everything like that, like fouls didn't just fucking fly out willy nilly. Like, if you went up, you were gonna get hurt, and th- and that's the same thing that you saw with Jordan going up and doing that stuff. And it's tough, and that's where it's tough to compare LeBron and Jordan. LeBron gets a ton of calls, ton of fouls. You can't touch the guy. But Jordan would get like mugged up there, and Vince would get mugged up there, and that's different year. Yeah, it was different years, but they 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 weren't giving out fouls willy nilly. Like it was a it, the NBA was tougher, but they didn't. They went more moved towards more of a superstar guys, and Vince kind of just missed that because near the end of his his career, he started getting more injuries. So I think that Kawhi is the best individual player to pull a Raptors jersey over over his head individually yeah Vince might be next I would probably say but when you factor in the leadership and the the grit that Lowry has I I got to agree that he's the greatest uh I got to agree with Peter that is um you know he's already the team leader in assist steals and made three pointers it's very possible uh, although there is talk that he could get traded this year uh, if he sticks around for this and next year it's very possible that he could break DeMar DeRozan's point leading record. So he needs another, you know, he needs a couple pretty good seasons to do that. So if you're the leader in assists, steals, made three, three pointers and points, how are you not the greatest? And then throw in the, the leadership uh, and, and all that grit and talking about guys not getting foul calls. There's a guy that doesn't get foul calls. Kyle Lowry, every time he goes to the basket, or how many times does he, he take a charge? He gets a lot of offensive you know? fouls. He's like one of the best at it. Or, I mean, uh, the Charger. Yeah, drawing a foul. foul, yeah. But the problem with him, too, is he, he bitches a lot for a call, too. Not as much as LeBron, so he's still good in my books. But, uh, so I agree with Peter. I think I think he is. He will eventually have uh, have that number seven hanging from the rafters. And, well, there's uh, no doubt about that. I, it's like Kevin said, like, you're, you're getting two different uh, eras, more or less. One where you could, it was when you fouled someone, you could get away with it sometimes. And other, and now you can't. And, the injuries that led up to events or but yeah the, like you like you said rosen was is the leader in the points and everything like that but no one here thinks that he's deserving of that. i i think overall lowry is is going to be a the, you know a better greatest rapper raptor the rapper what what kyle lowry <laughs> kev what do you think oh the raptors ah i think I, I can't see Kawhi being as big as what you guys are doing. Yes, he brought us a championship. Good for Kawhi for doing so. But for one year, I don't know. It's, so you don't think Kawhi is the best individual player to pull a Raptors jersey on? No. No. So who's the better player then? I'm not talk, uh, like, I'm just talking the, the best player. Like He's got the most skills. So who is it for you then? I would have to go with Air Canada. Carter, unbelievable what this guy's done for the Raptors before he left. And then for you, is, is Vince the greatest Raptor? Yeah, I would say I would have to say yes, in my mind. So two Vince and two Kyle. I think that Air Canada was a fucking superstar, and he put the Raptors on the map. 
He did. And I think he's, I would agree that he's the second best player to ever throw the, the Raptors jersey on in terms of talent. And I think he is probably a little bit negatively looked upon because of how he exited Toronto. I was just going to say that too. Yep. To me, he's, you know, he's the second best talent to ever put on a Raptors jersey. I think that Kyle is the best Raptor ever, just in terms of his longevity, what he did for the team like we already talked about. And yeah, for me, it's probably two or three Air Canada and, and Kawhi. Because let's not kid ourselves. If Kawhi doesn't come here, we don't win that championship. Agreed. 100%. Yeah. yeah. So going back to what, for reference with the points, so DeMar DeRozan is the leader with 13,296. Bosch is number two with 10,275. Kyle should catch him. <laughs> if he doesn't, there's something wrong. Uh, Kyle will be third at 10,036. And then number four is VC with 9,400. Lowry is going to be number two for sure by the time he finishes his career in Toronto and has a very good chance to be the number one point scorer in Raptor history. Lowry being the greatest Raptor to ever play for them? Or will I get them? Yeah, that's what we're going for, right? I would, uh, he's been there the longest. So you kind of, I guess over time, you'd have to assume that he's going to start breaking all these records and stuff like that. Yeah, but fair. Um, there's a reason why they kept him. He stays healthy for the most part. Great passer. He does turn the ball over a lot, but he touches it a lot more than anyone else. So, yeah, greatest, I, w- I would, I would see, say that. But I still think uh, Vince has uh, something to say. And, and Kawhi took a lot of games off, too. Obviously, in the playoffs, he didn't take any games off. But Kawhi took a lot of games off. And that's where I don't know. That's where it's tough to get between the eras of when Vince was around. He was injured a lot. But he never took a fucking game off. Anyways, uh, Celtics and Lakers game Saturday. Marcus Sm- uh, Smart suffers a pain strap. Video shows something worse. Reminisce of Katie's Achilles tear in the Raptors final there. Yeah. Yeah. So you guys remember what happened with KD, right? So he was just had the ball, was just dribbling, making a pivot or taking a step, and snap goes his Achilles. When they zoomed in on the uh, on his Achilles or on his leg, I guess, during uh, during the replays, you can actually see the tendon snap in his it leg. It was gross. It was really gross. So this is ex- not exactly, but it, it's you can see something in his leg snap in his in his calf. So re- they were calling it after the game a calf strain. Uh, I tried to find out as much information as I could today before we recorded, but could not find too much information. So as far as I know, they're still saying it's a calf strain. But when, when you look at that zoomed in video, it looks like another Achilles type tear or it could be, you know, might not necessarily be an Achilles, but it's a tendon of some sort because it, something snapped in his leg and you can see it rupture up his leg, just like the KD, uh, the KD injury. I hope not. Cause that's, you know, that's, it's, it's a terrible injury and it's bad for the game. I don't like the Celtics even a little bit, but you hate to see any good player come out of the game. That's We never want to see that. Uh, I haven't watched the video, but the way you're describing it reminds me a little bit of our good friend Jesse down here. What happened to him once when we were playing football? Either intercepted a pass or picked up a fumble. I can't remember which. I will tell you. One-handed catch with the left <laughs> hand for an interception, running down the sidelines. And I had a big fatty in front of me. It was gonna, I was gonna beat him. Tried to kick it into sixth gear, and something popped. So the reason I bring this up is because me and Jesse played the same side defense in high school football. 
I was the corner. He was the outside linebacker. When he made this interception, I was running down the field right behind him, trying to clear out some traffic in front of him. And I literally saw... How do you do that when you're behind him? Well, I was trying to... <laughs> he said he was trying. All right. Okay. <laughs> I literally saw on the back of Jesse's leg something snap and wiggle, and then down he went. So, Jesse, what, what actually ended up... What was that injury? Was it a strain? I don't know. I never got an actual diagnosis of what happened, but... It could have been uh, a strained hamstring, or it could have been, been I tore it. I, I don't know. It was, yeah. I, other, other people described it, who were also trying to block in front of me, but behind me, said, <laughs> said that it was uh, like a spider climbing from my knee, back of my knee, up to the ass cheek. It was gross. And that's exactly what AKDs looked like, his Achilles, and... Uh... And Mark is smart here, so yeah. it's uh, it's pretty crazy. So, and just that hamstring injury bothers you to oh, this yeah. day, right? When you play baseball in cold weather, you're basically useless. So, <laughs> uh, how's that different from warm weather? I don't know. Oh, 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 this this guy that doesn't even play baseball. <laughs> If it's an Achilles, like for instance, KD, he was out for a year and a half, 550 some odd days, he was actually out. If it's that bad for Marcus Smart, that's that doesn't bode well for uh, for the Celtics. Good thing they've got Jason Tatum. Uh, maybe they can give. I guess they wouldn't get Taco Fall that many more uh, more minutes, different positions. But uh, but anyway, not not a good thing for the Celtics. And uh, we wish uh, Marcus Smart the best. Uh, you know, best recovery and all that. Have good they stuff. said if it's uh, more than Achilles or more than a calf strain? No. I haven't read anything or, or, or heard anything uh, otherwise other than a calf strain. So I've been trying to find out, but nothing uh, has come when out. When did the playoffs start for NBA right now? Not in a year and a half. <laughs> uh, yeah, not in a year and a half. Uh, Is that, so that's what they're saying, how long it'll be? No, no, no. Well, that's what that's what KD's injury was a year and a half by the time he came back. So, so who knows? If it's that bad, it could be that long. It could be, I don't know, it could be six months. Who knows, right? Just depends Just on how bad. Just speaking about the hamstring injury like I was I couldn't walk until two months after that injury like it hurt like a lot so that's why I'm wondering about when the NBA starts or NBA playoffs starts I guess if it's more than a strain he's probably not playing in the playoffs the way it looked like like I said it looked exactly the same Peter the way you described it with like it was a spider running up his leg like you can literally see the elastic band snap and and the pieces go either way all right so we're going to move on to some other stuff that happened uh, out of the big four sports. We're going to MLS. And we're talking about TFC. TFC! <laughs> Josie Altador wants out of Toronto. Poorly doesn't want to play here anymore, possibly stemming from contract negotiations. Let's say you guys. That sucks. <laughs> yeah, it definitely sucks. He's a great player. Yeah. He's 31 now. Yeah, he's not, he's not young, but he's still a pretty damn good player. Uh, he still puts the ball in the net. And... He's, he's, a, he's a big guy, and he can still jump, obviously. Mm-hmm. Get those headers. But I wonder if it has anything with, to do with the coach leaving, too, kind of thing like that. It very well could. I mean, you know, he, he since tweeted, since the report came out, that to not believe everything that we read, and uh, it says the devil is working overtime. Uh, so, you know, either he's trying to say, legitimately say, no, this isn't what I want, or he's trying to, you know, calm the TFC fans and make it kind of like the, the organization that's going to trade him or, or whatever. 
uh, to try and make it not his fault. So whether he does want out or not, you know, at this point, we really don't know. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, the transfer window ends today in the MLS for the for this, the January session. So, so we might hear later on that he was moved or uh, or not. I mean, I guess it would depend on all the logistics. If Toronto, I mean, if this just came out and they're just reporting it, that how quickly can Toronto make a move? Do they even care that he wants out? <laughs> Too bad, bud. You're you're signed on a contract. Like it'd be it'd really suck to lose him. He is a great player. But I'm sure somebody will step up and and uh, fill the fill the role. Maybe not necessarily as as well as he does, but I think I think TFC goes out and signs someone else if they get rid of him. They've always been able to find people from the European League and bring them over, and they become superstars, and then they leave right away or some shit like that. So Altador has been with us for a while. So and he's been he's he's American. I think. Yes, he is. So he, he that's why he likes playing in North America, right? We like TFC seems to start people's careers sometimes from the European League. I think playing in Toronto for uh, soccer is a whole lot different than playing in Toronto for basketball or baseball. You know, people, it's, it's hard to get players to come and play baseball and basketball here, but it's, I don't, I don't feel like it's hard to get people to come and play soccer here. Just like it's not hard to get people to play hockey in Toronto. So because there's it, Toronto is so diverse from European communities that's I think why a lot of the Europeans enjoy coming here because it's, it can almost be a, a home away from home because there is such a large, you know, a Greek community, you know, this community, that community, um, you know, in Toronto. So it's a place that people want to come and play when it comes to soccer. And, and uh, so hopefully he sticks around. Uh, he could, he could want to be, maybe he does want out and maybe he wants to, go back to the U S so that he doesn't have to be in a lockdown and maybe he just wants to walk around outside and do, do fun stuff, you know, (laughs) who knows. So just on that note, or on a very similar note, I just want to come out and say fuck COVID because I live literally 10 minutes from where TFC plays and 10 minutes from the Rogers center walking that is. And I haven't been able to walk to either because they've been shut down because COVID since I've been here. So hopefully that all changes very soon. And hopefully when it does, Josie out the door is still on the team. He's a big part of the team. I think he's a good leader for all the younger guys. And it would be a shame to see him go. I don't want him to go anywhere either. So he just signed a three-year extension in 2019 for for six million bucks a year. So, you know, it's six million doesn't seem like anything when he compared to any of the other four major sports. So uh, you would think MLSC maybe just, just pad that banging out just a little bit more and keep them around, you know, make them a little bit happier, but we'll see, we'll see what goes on and how that works out. So shall we move on to penalty box? Do it. In my penalty box this week is everyone's favorite pest, Matthew Kachuk. And the reason he's in my penalty box. So the Leafs played two games against the flames this week in the first game. The backup goalie, Jack Campbell's starting. He's playing. He's playing well. And I don't know if we actually know the details of the injury yet, but he's out right now because he he tweaked something in his leg while he was playing. So, you know, an innocent play. He just overextended or whatever, tweaked something in his leg. But he stayed in the game, and he could visibly see that he was sort of hobbling around. And late in the game, Matthew Kachuk decides to come down to the front of the net. He takes the slightest little push 
from behind and he proceeds to jump knees first onto the back of Jack Campbell accidentally on purpose. I think it was clear to all of us or most of them, maybe not Calgary fans, that that was accidentally on purpose and a bit of a bit of a cheap shot on, on Campbell. So then the next game rolls around the next night. Not a whole lot happened during the game. Uh, as a note with Matthew Kachuk, but at the end of the game, right as the Leafs win, they close out the one goal win, lots of pressure from the Flames, Bucks in the corner, clock runs to zero, and Jake Muzzin, right as the clock runs out, decides to very casually flick the puck at, right at the chest of, of Matthew Kachuk, which just completely set him off. He loses his mind. Muzzin just had a nice big smile on his face the whole time. It was a beautiful troll job. I thought it was fantastic. Kachuk had an absolute meltdown. He threw a temper tantrum. He couldn't get to Muzzin because there was a scrum that ensued. And going off the ice, he slammed the door in his captain's face and throwing stuff. It was, it was something to watch. And so he's in my penalty box for that temper tantrum. Because I think, I think the best part of being a pest, what makes a pest a great pest, is not losing your cool. I think we see it from guys like Brad Marchand uh, and others that are pests where they just, they will just get under your skin all game and no matter what you do or try and do back, they'll just laugh at you. And it's sort of paramount to what being a pest is about, is getting under the other team's skin, not losing your cool. He lost his cool this game. I don't know if there's underlying reasons within the team why that is. I don't know if he's upset that none of his teammates sort of had his back in that scrum. I don't know, but he's in my penalty box. Yeah, he looked like a bitch there. Yeah, like he – even in his tantrum, like he couldn't even rip the water bottle holder off the wall. <laughs> <laughs> Stick it on there or something. So. He went back for it, and he still didn't do it. <laughs> It was funny when he like slammed the door on and the guys yeah. trying to get in there. Yeah, like, Darren. I was like, "What the hell, bro?" Like, on his captain. <laughs> like, oh man, uh, it was it was definitely funny. I was laughing, even as a, a, a leaf chirper. That was that was pretty funny, wasn't it? That was hilarious. Yeah, it was pretty good. Okay, that's my penalty box, Josh. Who's in yours? So my penalty box is Jamal Murray. <laughs> He and the Nuggets were playing the Dallas Mavericks. He was kind of pushed to the ground, uh, Jamal Murray was, or he he hit the ground uh, one way or another. And on his way up, he decides basically, I mean, he didn't haul off and punch him, but he basically gets his fist out there and he strikes Dallas guard Tim Hardaway Jr. right in the groin. Uh, basically, just, just nuts him. So, he bagged him good. He bagged him pretty good. So of course Hardaway goes down in a in a you know like a soccer player getting touched up a little bit and and for, and for good reason. I would go down like that. I don't think it's a soccer player reference. <laughs> no, no. What I'm saying is he looked like a made. soccer player that just got touched <laughs> when he played, but for good reason. He got nailed in the nuts. So Jamal Murray wasn't suspended, but uh, was fined twenty five thousand, which isn't a huge amount of money for a per basketball player. But uh, so he's fined that twenty five thousand, was given a uh, flagger foul too, and was ejected in the game 
luckily the Nuggets ended up still winning the game uh, over the Mavericks, but uh, he's in my penalty box. This boy's from Kitchener, so got to give him a little bit of grief. Although we're gonna, you know, bump his uh, his ego up a little bit here because he's from Kitchener. But but today we're putting him in the penalty box because you can't punch guys in the nuts, man. Can't do that. My penalty box is uh, Jeff Burge, uh, GM of Colorado Rockies. It's about that trade with Arenado. I uh, I personally think this guy's a bit of a goof. Like, I know we talked about that $50 million getting cash back and everything like that. But we talked about the prospects that he got as well. Now, I want to go back a couple years when they didn't re-sign D- DJ uh, LeMayhew. And he went off with the Yankees. And we discussed this in the first episode, me and Yosh. He does not think he's worth the money. I think he's a superstar. Another one I'm going to go back to is with Tulo, because he was in part of that trade, and everyone knows about Tulo coming to Toronto. Those three prospects that they got from Toronto, now Tulo didn't do much in Toronto to begin with, but at the time, Tulo was a superstar. Those prospects did nothing as well. He is in my penalty box because I don't think he's doing a good enough job for the Rockies. They, these guys have had Aaron Otto, Charlie Blackman, and Trevor Story, too. And he's the only one that's left, really. That's really like a huge superstar there. They got Garrett Hampson, who's coming up, who looks pretty good. But they just seem to keep leading players or trading them away. Now, they're getting rid of Tulo makes sense that they, they had Trevor Story coming up. He's a shortstop as well. So and it was a ridiculous contract, so that too but they signed them to what, what, what about Arenado? was that a ridiculous contract i don't think so mm, no because he's younger than when tulo signed his ginormous contract right 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 right. and i don't know this like i know i'm i'm going after two weeks in a row i'm going after organization well this one's more the gm than than the the organization but the the he he's he seems to be losing all these superstars to these good teams and everything so that's why he's in my penalty box. And Arenado was pissed that he couldn't get talent. Although Arenado had a shit season last year, but still, like they they can't get enough talent there. I mean, and in a Coors Field, like anyone could fucking hit there. Just get a guy that can hit bombs, more or less. Anyways, that's why he's in my penalty box. My penalty box goes to uh, Patrick Reed. Patrick Reed has been caught again cheating. Uh, it's not his first time. He's also been doing this stuff in college where he's um, cheated and stole from his team. The 2019 Hero World Championship, he was leading this tournament and ended up getting into a bunker. He uh, put his club into the sand and removed twice so he can get a better lie on his ball. Um, Brooks Kepka was uh, talking to Sirius XM. He stated... I don't know what he was doing, building sandcastles in the sand, but you, but you know where his club is. I mean, any golfer going into a, a sand bunker knows you can't put your club in the sand. He did it and denied it. Peter Koskis, also in uh, the Bahamas, has witnessed several times, I actually four times, proved his lie or even his line of play so he's moving the ball around sorry kev you're referring to uh he hit his ball into the rough no this is a uh, first one 2019 where he got into the sand trap 
Right, but the reason that he's in your box this week is because of this hitting into the rock. That's correct. So you're just giving a you're giving a giving an old backstory in regards to to this guy. Uh, So I was just getting up to this one here now, stating in uh, the Farmers Insurance Open on the tenth hole. Yeah, he's at it again. Um, Hits his ball off to the left, goes into the tough rough. Uh, Asked a worker at that point if the ball bounced. She said, uh, didn't know if it bounced or not. So looking at his ball, he automatically, besides going to ask for an official or even having his playing partners to take a look at the ball lie, he grabs it and moved it, put into a better position, and then got the uh, official guy to come over and basically showed what the ball, where it was, shows him a hole that supposedly was there. Uh, But damn, this guy, just an unbelievable cheats, 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 cheats. It's just that's why you're in my penalty box, dude. So he hits the ball, hits into the rough, thinks that his ball is embedded into the ground. Yep. Decides on his own that he's going to pull it out, replace it, and then calls the official over to check it out instead of leaving his ball, yep. calling the official over, seeing if it's embedded to get that free drop. That's right. And as you said, this is not the first time. So I could definitely see why this guy's in your box. And if this isn't his first time, and I saw some of the videos, it looks like he pretty well just cheated straight up. So why isn't this guy off the tour? Uh, my big question is, why is he still even sponsored? I mean, as a sponsorship, do you really want this this guy with your name and logo on your hat, your shirt or whatever, or your golf bag? And then he does something like that. That's why near my that's why near my penalty box there. Yeah, and he's tied for first right now. At least he was this morning. Yeah. So if he if he wins, he's doing the kind of things that I do when I golf. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Still don't win though. Still don't win. No, that's true. That's because <laughs> that's because I'm terrible. That's why I'm not on the tour, and I'm here talking to you guys. Well, we appreciate you being here talking to us, Peter. I'm happy to be here, but I'd be on the tour if I could be. Fair enough. All right, we're going to go over the points and penalty scores today. Uh, no one challenged anyone on anything. Today was pretty calm, yeah. yeah. Gutless. A gutless day. No challenges. The liquor was not flowing, it looks like. So the total tally, Peter's still in first with plus two. And then Kevin with zero. Me and Yosh falling up the rear with uh, minus one. So, boys, I want to just head off and uh, say that uh, I want to ask you guys how your drink was. Let's go with Josh. Uh, my land shark from Waterloo Brewing, just a five or 10 minute walk from my place is absolutely phenomenal. I've actually had a few of them over the course of, uh, of our chat. And I, I really like this stuff. It's great in the winter and it's even better in the summer. I'm actually empty. So I'm excited to grab another. Kevin, how about you? Mine was awesome. I mean, you can't go wrong with uh, the Murphy's Law Moonshine. It doesn't matter what you mix it with. It's great. Jesse. No, sorry, Peter. <laughs> How was your drink? My Miller High Life was good. Stayed nice and cold the whole time. Rookie move, though. Only brought one, and it ran out about halfway through. Should have gone to get another, but didn't. But, hey, the podcast is just getting started. We're going through some growing pains. It's okay. But it was good. And, Jesse, how was your drink? It was good. I had the, the vodka, the absolute. And then I switched it back to Bose. I went and got uh, full-time. I'm like Peter I couldn't wait I don't want another drink so we're just going to sign off here for everyone here at Points and Penalties thank you for listening give us a like on Facebook, Twitter Instagram
points, points and penalties. Until next week, stay out of the penalty box.